for this morning, you know, we're going to be looking at Jesus in action. And specifically, we're going to be looking at a story where Jesus heals a man that was blind from birth. It's an incredible story, but it's one that many of us might have a little trouble fully comprehending from the jump. We all here have varying degrees of sight. Some of us have lost our sight. Some of us have glasses, and, you know, we can't uh, recognize a friend from 10 feet away without us. Some of y'all out there have perfect vision, and the closest you can come to relating is when you accidentally get shampoo in your eye in the shower, and you're, like, scrambling, trying to wash it out real quick so the shower demons don't get you. But um, as, we, as we look at this scripture, what I want us to think about is what do the different groups of people in this passage, what do they see? What is the context that they look at the story that's unfolding around them? What angle do they take? What stands out to them? What doesn't? So we're going to be in John chapter 9. Um, and really, we're going we're gonna to let the scriptures just preach today. We're going to look at the entire chapter. So, starting in verse 1. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with his saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means scent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes open, they asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus had made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. And so let's take a second to really just recount this story from the man's perspective. He's been blind from birth. Um, he's been dependent on the, uh, the offerings of the people around him, not able to really fend for himself. And this particular day, he hears these people chattering about him, which probably wasn't super unusual. He hears Jesus' disciples like, yo, who sinned? This man is blind from birth. Like, clearly someone has done something incredibly wrong. Who sinned? Like, why does this man have this condition? Jesus, you know, responds that this is an opportunity for God's power to be shown. And here Jesus does something kind of strange. Like he makes some mud with his spit. So I'm like, all right, cool. Go, go ahead, Jesus. And then he applies it on this man's eyes. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm that man, there's a couple things I might be expecting, but this is not one of them, you know? Maybe I'm expecting to be ignored as often happens. Maybe I'm expecting, I've heard about this Jesus fellow, he's going to miraculously heal me. So maybe he's looking forward to that. And he gets this mud inside of his eyes. And I can't imagine that that's the most, you know, comfortable thing. I think what kept him going, though, is he had the perspective that God might be at work. 
his faith had him seeing something that otherwise wasn't there to be seen. And so he has this mud on his face. Jesus gives him the instruction to go wash in this river. And what might be running through your head if you're in that scenario? Like, okay, like someone's got to lead me to this stream to bathe and wash. But it's like, is there any closer one, Jesus? Like, can I get this mud off quicker? I think it can be easy to resist the, the command to obey fully. Sometimes in our lives, we, we see something that God has started by the Spirit, but we want to finish it by the flesh. We might feel like we have a closer stream or we have water on hand that we can use to wash it off instead of the specific instructions that Jesus gives to this man. And so how will you respond when God's work in your life doesn't look the way that you imagine at the start? Do we reject the mud and try to wipe it off? Try to find another appointed pool? Or maybe you just give up right from the jump and just, okay, this was just another person pranking me. This was just another person wasting my time. We have to really be encouraged to let perseverance finish its work. So continuing in this scripture, in verse 13, it says, They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud in my eyes, the man replied, and I washed and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. When they turned against the blind man, what have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, he is a prophet. They still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son? They asked. Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it now that he can see? We know he is our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind. But how he can see or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who already had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That is why they said, he is of age, ask him. And so at this point, I kind of imagine his parents, like they're a little bit nervous, but like imagine like you're at home and say the police come knocking on your door and they're looking for your kid, and they're asking about certain things about him and what's going on, and they're like, I don't know, like, he's of age, he can talk. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and so their fear of what the Pharisees could do to their standing in society was more prevalent in this moment than their ability to rejoice at what God has done. What are some fears that you see in your life that blind you from seeing what it is that God is looking to accomplish. And so they go and they ask him. In verse 24, one second. A second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind and now I see. Then they asked him, 
What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I have told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of the opening of eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could, not do, he could do nothing. To this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. And so the end result for this guy here uh, in respect to the synagogue is that he gets tossed out. They reject him. But I'm sure to this man who was born blind, this rejection doesn't even begin to compare to the transformation that he's received. He's been rejected, but he's no longer dependent on what they have to offer him because he has been connected to the true source. He now has true sight. And in addition to that, his eyes were healed. I think something that is just really comes to my attention is like in the middle of this passage, they have this argument over whether this guy is really the guy that they knew or not. And so I find it interesting that they're kicking him out of the synagogue. But from what I see, I don't feel like he was fully included in the first place. And so, like, imagine you're walking down the streets and you see somebody that you know and they're dressed completely different. Let's say, I don't know, let's say we see like Charlotte, like Charlotte Andrew, and she's like completely swagged out. You know, she's got this gold suit, she's got black shades. You know, maybe her hair is braided back and is a bit different. I could understand it from afar, you know. You weren't completely sure, like, is that Charlotte? Is that not? But if you got to see her face to face and talk to her, and you still weren't convinced whether it was her or not, I think what I would say is you don't actually even know Charlotte. And so this thing of kicking him out of the synagogue seems more superficial to me. And I think in all of this, let's not lose sight of what Jesus is doing. Jesus sets this man up to see farther than anyone else in the story here sees. The disciples here look at this situation, and they're looking to find who is at fault. Who is to blame? Who, why did this occur? Did this man sin, or was it the sin of his parents? And in that, they don't see this as an opportunity for God to show his power. The neighbors around him, they're 50-50 on his identity. They've seen this man for years, time in and time out. But with this change to, to him, they can't even rec recognize him. The Pharisees, they see a challenge to their norm and their authority in the person of Jesus. But instead of submitting, they reject anyone who did. And again, his parents, they saw their child healed, but they couldn't see past the disapproval of the Pharisees and acted out of fear. But, you know, this man, he looked past the horizon where nothing else was illuminated. He gained perspective from what he witnessed God doing and saw the light of the world. If you go back a couple lines in the scripture, in verse 4, Jesus says, as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. 
Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And so he says, as long as it is day, God's work needs to be on our hearts as long as we can see out into the world. We need to do the work to see and recognize Jesus as the light of the world. He says, night is coming when no one can do works, but we know that Jesus promises he is with us to the very ends of the age in Matthew 28. What work do you have to do to better recognize Jesus as the light of the world? What work do you have to do to have eyes that see and ears that hear what God is looking to communicate to you as well as what he's illuminating? We might have a little trouble healing someone blind from birth, but there are many ways in which we can help meet needs and cast visions for those around us. We can give godly perspective. We can help people see who they were meant to be in Christ. We can, we can say words that help people recognize their true identity. Jesus chooses to live this out in this person by helping this man see, not just with physical eyes, but with spiritual eyes that are eager to connect with God. And so continuing in the passage in verse 35, Jesus heard that, he had, that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Jesus says, for judgment I have come into the world so that the blind will see and that those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who are with him heard him say this and asked, what, are we blind too? Jesus said, if you were blind, you will not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. And so even after being cast out of that space, this man has found something even greater. I think sometimes we can spend all of our energies trying to belong in a place that was never going to accept us in the first place. And as I'm saying this, I'm not saying for us to go and run away from engaging with the people in our community and to just only be in spots that, you know, fully accept us. What I think the scripture is, is communicating is for us, even as we are in those situations, not to be dependent on them. Are we dependent on the approval of others? Is that what guides your vision? Are we dependent on superficial things that we use to evaluate how well we're doing? Whether you have like, you know, however many zeros you have in your bank account, that doesn't change your ability to honor God or not. I think, that, um, I think that as we go out and as we try to imitate the way in which Jesus meets needs, we have to first see them like he does. For this man, he heals his eyes, but he gives him something even greater. The son of man is now the chief cornerstone of his life that he's building it on. And I think the question I want us to ask ourselves is, do we claim that we can see? 
what is it that we see with our eyes? Are we in a spot where we are falling for the different facades of the world? Or do we see past the horizon and see what Jesus illuminates? Do we see ourselves as too self-important? Do we see ourselves as the center of all things? Do we increase our guilt by claiming that we are more perceptive than we actually are? Or do we recognize our need for God and act accordingly? Everybody in this story sees something different. All of us in this room see something different. And we need to check to see if that aligns with what Jesus sees and how he responds. The light is still in this world. It is still day. Therefore, we have to do the work of continuing to see what it is that God is looking to incorporate within our lives. And so as we consider that, something that really grounds me and brings me back to center is just the sacrifice of Jesus. As we think about communion, Jesus came on this earth from the highest of all thrones, and he lived amongst us to give us an opportunity to see God in a way that we never could before. He lived a sinless life, and he, he died a horrible death in order to bring something that was broken and mend it. And so as we close, I want to go to God in prayer and for us to continue to consider what it would look like to see in the way that God sees. Dear Lord, thank you for bringing all of us together. I'm grateful just for the opportunity to have access to your scriptures. You communicate so much to us through them. I pray in this time that you give us eyes to see and ears to hear and that we would not be overly enamored with the things around us, but that we would cling to the one thing that lasts to the end of the age. God, in this time, I pray that we keep into mind just the different ways in which you have shown yourself faithful. I pray that we look to emulate Jesus in in all of our ways and that we continue to have hearts of compassion that meet the needs around us, not as we would, but as you would, and that we would look to set people up to connect with God in a way that brings transformation. I'm so grateful for the work of the Spirit in our lives and for all of the things that you will continue to do moving forward. All this I pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.